Thanks for tuning in to Location Intelligence on Hexagon Radio. I'm your host, Justin Dinger. Census data is critical to helping government officials and policymakers understand the size, distribution, and diversity of a country's population. It informs economic planning and development, future infrastructure projects, funding for various programs, and more. But in many parts of the world, collecting and processing census data can be time-consuming, labor-intensive, and costly. In this episode, I'm talking to Dean McCormick, Global Head of Smart Monitoring and Census Solutions at Hexagon's Geospatial Division, and Henny Lutz, Director of Demographic Applications at Geospace International South Africa, about the challenges national statistical offices face when conducting a census. We'll also discuss effective strategies and geospatial solutions to help them ensure that everyone is counted. Dean and Henny, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Justin. Uh, great to be here and uh, really looking forward to this conversation. Thanks, Justin, and uh, good day. Good day to you, too. Um, you know, as we enter the 2020 round of censuses, you know, Dean, what do you see as some of the uh, the top census challenges that uh, NSOs face today? Great question. Uh, great opening question, Justin. Um, but I think uh, before I answer, I think it's worth re-emphasizing something that you had said in your introduction. Um, And that really is that uh, population and housing census is, uh, as you say, uh, a process that helps uh, compile a numerical profile of a country, which of course is critically important uh, because the the captured data, uh, in other words, the demographic, the social and economic data really helps to inform Uh, policies and decision-making at all levels uh, of government as well as uh, private sector. Um, And of course, quality policy and uh, quality decision-making will be dependent on quality data. Now, having said that, uh, whilst by definition it sounds really simple, uh, in reality a census is extremely difficult uh, and challenging to execute. And so for national statistical officers or NSOs, Uh, whose task it is to deliver a census, I think without question, um, it continues to be the largest, uh, most complex and costly undertaking. Um, And so with that in mind, and with respect to your question, I think uh, whilst there are many challenges we can talk about, um, I believe one of the biggest really is to balance uh, the need to provide quality data whilst at the same time managing rising costs, uh, particularly in the face of uh, population growth and increased uh, pressures on public finances. And so to illustrate this uh, by way of example, let's consider the United States and uh, the US Census Bureau, which is currently uh, conducting a census. Um, But first, let's look back to 1970 and the US population and housing census um, and the real term cost. It was calculated to be around 3.2 billion US dollars uh, to count a, a population at that time of around 203 million people. Uh, In 2020, the final bill to the taxpayer is expected to be around uh, 15.6 billion. Um, This for a population of today around 330 million people. So whilst the population has increased by uh, around 60%, if my maths is correct, um, over the past four census cycles, the real term per capita cost has risen significantly more around 195%, in fact, from around $16 in 1970 to around $47 per capita for the 2020 census. 
Um, of course, we have to realize that per capita costs will vary from country to country, but the reality is the trend remains the same uh, for all NSOs in terms of rising costs uh, that they are, are having to experience today. And if census budgets were not already under tremendous pressure, the situation in 2020 is, is being made worse by the impact of, of COVID-19. Uh, and now we are seeing governments really taking a hard look and really rethinking the, the allocation of funding and resources, which were previously earmarked for census, uh, more towards public health responses in the fight against COVID. And so consequently, this is leading uh, NSOs to really consider either a postponement or cancellation of censuses. Um, and of course, notwithstanding the, the financial implications, there are implications regarding uh, the health and well-being of both citizens and census workers in the face of this terrible pandemic. So um, faced with these challenges, NSOs are having to investigate alternative ways of implementing a census. And I believe uh, COVID-19 will be a game changer uh, and will almost certainly help to fast track uh, that effort for, for many NSOs. Thank you, Dean. I, I kind of have a follow-up question. Um, if we see that NSOs are kind of delaying or diverting or rethinking how they do a census, um, what do you see as the kind of long-term effect or impact of, say, a census being delayed or diverted? Any thoughts on that? As a rule, countries uh, normally stick either to a 10-year cycle to the day, the exact date, or a five-year cycle, again, exactly to the same date every five years or every 10 years. The reason for that being uh, the importance or the big benefit of doing uh, cohort analysis, age grouping, uh, analysis of the population over time. So, for example, if you track the uh, geographic spread of the 10 to 14-year-old population or the 20 to 24-year-old population in a country over time, then it means if you conduct the census every 10 years uh, and then you follow the 10 to 14-year-old population in one census, it will be the 20 to 24-year-old population in the next census. It is exactly that same population that you are then uh, tracking over time. So there are huge benefits if you can uh, stick to the same census and, uh, of course, also the, the same census date, because that makes these cohort type of analysis a lot more accurate. Thank you, Henny. Yeah, I was just, you know, I was just thinking to myself, well, if things are delayed, does that skew what uh, the statistic office would maybe capture or be able to interpret as it does its kind of longitudinal um, assessment on certain cohorts as they um, grow, expand, contract, or move around within a country? So, thank you. So, Henny, I've got a kind of, I've kind of got another question for you. Um, you know, the UN projects that by 2050, two-thirds of the world's population will live in urban areas. Uh, more than half of the global population growth is expected to occur in Africa, and populations in Europe are expected to decline. So, Henny, um, 
do these predictions make the current challenges worse or do they create a whole new set of issues for national statistical offices? Uh, Justin, what you have mentioned now are examples of exactly the how dynamic the nature of uh, population uh, dynamics are. Um, there's a lot of change within countries, within regions, and within continents, and then when you con compare continents with, with each other. And it is exactly because of this dynamic nature of, of population trends that it is imperative to conduct censuses on a regular basis to enable governments to get a proper grip on the demographics of a country over time, um, and that is obviously required for optimal relevant policy formulation. And as modern technology becomes more affordable and accessible, more countries are utilizing modern methods such as, for example, digital enumeration. In this current round, the 2020 round of censuses, uh, in most regions in the world, even in the poorest regions in Sub-Saharan Africa, uh, countries are adopting methods like digital enumeration. Now, these methods are likely to improve the overall quality of censuses. Um, for example, if you do digital enumeration, you, in a way, eliminate that uh, intermediate phase where you have to capture a, a hard copy questionnaire using data entry methods. So it, it, it improves the overall quality of, of a census, while at the same time also shortening the time between the count and the, the release of the final results. And that obviously makes the results uh, a lot more useful and relevant because it is more current. Kind of to follow up, Henny, when I was doing research for this podcast, I noticed that Geospace was the main service provider for the pre-enumeration phase of a number of censuses in southern in the southern africa region you know and in fact you know geospace has a lot of experience in the census domain over the past two decades you know, what have been some of the more successful census strategies that you've seen or helped nso's implement the first nso that geospace supported was uh, the statistical agency here in south africa where we are based uh, Statistics South Africa, and that was actually uh, more than 20 years ago in 1997 98. Uh, we assisted Stats SA with the establishment of the their first actually digital uh, enumeration area database for the so called informal areas of South Africa. Now, informal areas. Uh, here in South Africa and in many countries actually refer to areas of the country. It can be both urban and non-urban uh, that are not formally. Um, so here in South Africa, for example, we have traditional areas in rural parts of the country. You can say traditional tribal areas. They are not mapped. And then also the informal settlements in the bigger towns and cities. So back in 97, 98, we uh, used uh, uh, various methods, um, satellite imagery, uh, aerial photography, etc., together with GPS, uh, to assist that essay to actually map these uh, informal areas. 
So that's where it started. So one can say that our initial focus was uh, therefore strongly on pre-enumeration census mapping. That, that is really where it all started. After that uh, project, the company has been involved in the pre-enumeration census mapping projects of Namib in 2001, the 2001 census, as well as the 2011 census exactly 10 years later and also Tanzania, 2002 and 2012, and Lesotho, 2006 and 2016. Um, and by the way, 2016 Lesotho census uh, used, uh, you can say, the earlier version of what is today known as uh, Hexagon Smart Census, first country to, to actually use it. The company uh, also supported uh, Statistics South Africa in 2001 and 2011 censuses, but to a lesser extent than the other countries in the region where we really provided a, a total pre-enumeration mapping solution. Now, our main contribution uh, to, was in essence to provide these NSOs with together and process field mapping data during pre-enumeration mapping in order to generate the enumeration area maps that are required for the uh, enumerators or the interviewers um, to use during the actual enumeration, enumeration phase of the census. That's the time when the actual count takes place. Now, with the advent of uh, smart census, we obviously can now offer a total solution covering all the phases of the census, um, being pre-enumeration that I've already mentioned, and then enumeration, and then also uh, analysis and dissemination. In other words, the entire census lifecycle. Dean, I have a similar question. You know, with the census solutions that Hexagon is implementing, what are some of the more successful census strategies that you've seen or helped NSOs execute and implement? Uh, another good question, uh, Justin. Um, but first and foremost, uh, I think it really goes back uh, to my concluding comments to your opening question, to me at least. Um, and that is uh, really to help NSOs modernize and, and transform their traditional methods and approaches to conducting a census. So. Uh, and Hexagon, uh, our core focus uh, and strategy really has been and continues to be to provide digital solutions to support digital transformation efforts uh, for our customers. And so with respect to NSOs and census, uh, we see our core strategy really being to support them uh, in migrating from traditional paper and pen-based workflows uh, towards digital-oriented workflows. And so by taking this approach, uh, NSOs are seeing tremendous benefit, uh, for example, through reduced workloads, uh, reduction in workforce, uh, improved efficiencies, cost reduction, and importantly, and, and very critically, improved quality of, of data. So very much aligned to addressing challenges of cost management um, without compromising data quality, which I had uh, previously highlighted. Um, of course, the adoption of digital platforms alone will not achieve this. Uh, and before improvements can be made, uh, there is also a need to really fully understand how existing workflows are implemented. And, and so to this end, Hexagon teamed up with Henny and the folks from Geospace, uh, really to leverage their experience uh, and expertise in the census domain, uh, which they've gained 
over at least three rounds of censuses. So they have decades of experience under their belt. The end result of this collaboration has really seen the development of our smart census platform, which I'm, I'm really proud to say has been adopted by, by several NSOs to address their digital census workflow requirements uh, across all census phases, uh, that being pre-numeration, enumeration, as well as dissemination. And, and perhaps I could exemplify this um, a little further. Um, so with Statistics Botswana and Lesotho Bureau of Statistics, um, they've seen improvements in, in efficiencies, particularly when it comes to pre-enumeration cartography. Uh, again, this is the phase during which enumeration area maps are produced. Uh, whereas previously uh, demanded extensive field work and, and manual drawing on paper, uh, they now make use of computer-assisted map production tools uh, to produce quality digital enumeration area maps. Um, and with regards to enumeration, uh, for their 2021 census, we have been assisting the National Statistic Statistical Institute of uh, Bulgaria uh, to implement more modern digital data capture methods, uh, such as uh, so-called CAPI, which means or stands for Computer Assisted Personal Interviewing, as well as HOWI methodologies, uh, which the latter typically been used for, for self-enumeration. And, and through adopting these uh, methodologies, uh, we're helping uh, the Bulgarian National uh, St Statistical Institute to help drive down their costs through workload and, and workforce um, reduction. They're using features like logic checks and validation rules by implementing these methodologies, which really helps to ensure a higher quality of data output. Um, and also we're seeing significant uh, savings in time um, by eliminating the, the need for, for data cleansing, which would otherwise be required using more traditional paper-based methods. Um, and just a, a further comment on, on CAWI or computer-assisted web interviewing. Um, in particular, it's, it's really helping to safeguard uh, respondents as well as uh, field crew uh, during the coronavirus epidemic, uh, since now uh, respondents can perform self-enumeration in the comfort and safety of their own home. And finally, just some comments around dissemination. Um, we are supporting the National Statistical Office of Malawi with uh, the smart census dissemination module to be more effective uh, in the way they are disseminating data that uh, emanated from the 2018 population and housing census uh, for Malawi. Uh, this module really enables users to more easily create dynamic tables, graphs, and thematic maps uh, by co connecting to different data sources. It also allows them to uh, select different themes, uh, such as themes around sustainable development goals, as well as different geographies. The end result of this is that they are able to deliver a, more of a dynamic display of, of census and other statistical data, which, which can then facilitate better decision-making. So really to conclude, our strategy behind the development of smart census has been to modernize, streamline, and, and digitally transform the traditional approach of census data collection management, uh, as well as dissemination. So, yeah, I, I think that kind of leads me to my next question. And, and both of you, Henny and Dean, you've both kind of have talked about um, hexagon smart census. So what makes a census smart? We use terms like uh, digital enumeration and computer aided interviewing and, and these things. So, you know, 
as governments undergo digital transformation and as national t- statistical offices also kind of undergo that transformation, what makes a census technology and process smart? And then also, can you kind of give me an interview and an introduction to what Hexagon Smart Census is for someone who may be listening and doesn't really know what that technology is? Uh, thanks, Justin. Uh, I'm going to to answer the question, uh, what makes a census smart, by maybe putting a problem statement out first and then uh, respond to that uh, in terms of what, what makes uh, a census smart. Um, if you look at how censuses was conducted uh, in the past, in the previous rounds of censuses, they were usually, and this is a blanket statement that applies by and large globally. You have different units within the National Statistical Office being tasked and being responsible for the different phases of a census. So I mentioned earlier, you have pre-enumeration and then you have enumeration, the actual count. And then in the past, you used to have uh, data processing where the questionnaires was converted to digital. And then that was followed by the last phase called analysis and dissemination, which ultimately then yields the census output and the publications, etc. But as a consequence of this approach, um, the different units often tend to work in, in silos. So they don't communicate with each other when they plan their, their respective parts, or they at least do not communicate enough So you end up with uh, disparate systems being used by by the different uh, uh, units within a census agency, and and that really had a huge impact on uh, on the overall quality, uh, etc., of of a census. Now, what what would make a census smart is uh, if one can uh, be able to combine all relevant technologies uh, into a single platform that covers all the phases of the census, the, the, these phases that I mentioned earlier. Um, this, in doing so, one will address the silo effect that I mentioned earlier. And it will also uh, enable uh, much better management of the entire workforce of a census during all the phases. And it will also facilitate optimal data collection since uh, that's during all the phases as well as the uh, execution and also the management of the data because all the users in the office and in the field, work on the same database during all the phases of the census. So I would say if one can uh, manage to achieve that, that then, then, then you would have a smart census. Okay, I think um, if I could just sort of elaborate a little bit further, and I think uh, uh, Henny has answered it uh, fairly comprehensively. Um, you know, I'd just like to emphasize more on the, the technology itself. Uh, We've included, for example, workforce uh, workflow, workforce management component, and 
for me, um, I think it's through the adoption of uh, this, these kind of technologies within the platform uh, and within Smart Census. This is really helping national statistical officers to better manage and 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 guide literally tens, if not hundreds of thousands of uh, temporary workers. These are workers who are employed, particularly during the enumeration phase for a very short period of time, who are not necessarily um, familiar uh, with the workflows, uh, with, with these kind of surveys, uh, but to help them to, to be guided to collect what is essentially critical data that, as I mentioned before, really helps to inform policy and decision making which of course is vitally important uh, for future development of a country. So in essence, uh, just to elaborate again on, on what Henny said, if, if, you know, if we can make that happen, um, which I believe we, we've, we've managed to achieve uh, with smart census, then that ultimately uh, uh, makes the solution smart. Now, Justin, to address your question of, you know, what is smart census and how, how can I best describe that uh, and, and give an overview around its capabilities? Um, I've already alluded to some of the capabilities in, in terms of addressing uh, some of your earlier questions, but let me elaborate further. Um, I think firstly, uh, by definition, what we are talking about here is a, a client server software platform, which has been specifically developed for census uh, and large scale sample surveys. Um, but besides uh, utilization for a population and housing census, um, NSOs, and I can use the example of Statistics South Africa, who have used uh, components of smart census uh, for uh, an agricultural uh, and livestock survey, or more specifically, their census for commercial agricultural survey. Um, uh, so they're using it for that, but as well as for intersensal surveys. Uh, but notwithstanding that, the platform can also be used to maintain and update enumeration area maps, as well as the so-called dwelling unit frame uh, between the census cycles. Um, just for the uninformed, the dwelling unit frame is essentially a, a register of the location, as well as characteristics of, of dwellings within a country. Um, importantly, the solution can also combine uh, traditional GIS functionality and uh, it's fair to say Hexagon has a long and rich history in terms of uh, GIS products and, and development around GIS. Um, and we combine that with uh, configurable and flexible workflow and workforce management, uh, which ultimately provides a total solution covering the entire census lifecycle from planning, management uh, and execution. Um, an important distinction, however, I'd like to make at this point is that we do not see ourselves as simply another vendor uh, selling licenses of GIS and, and related products to national statistical offices. Um, but with Smart Census, what we have really is a purpose-built census solution, which, uh, as I've mentioned before, is backed up by decades of domain expertise, uh, thanks to Geospace. Um, it's a solution which is already proven to meet the demands uh, and, of course, the rigors of delivering uh, a national population and housing census across all census phases. Um, just to elaborate a little bit further about uh, the, the platform and, and how we deliver the product, um, we have adopted really a modular approach. So we have three modules, each of which caters for the different phases. Um, and so I'll just describe some of the, the capability. Uh, 
uh, with pre-enumeration, uh, we we're able to combine digital base imagery and map production tools with, uh, again, workflow workforce management uh, to create and maintain quality digital enumeration area maps and, and dwelling unit frames. Um, with the enumeration module, uh, we provide tools to allow for the planning, the management and execution, as well as the monitoring of the enumeration phase. So enumeration area uh, teams, uh, mapping teams can, uh, oh, sorry, teams can be set up and EAs uh, assigned um, to each of the, uh, the field crew who are responsible for uh, those enumeration areas. Um, and using a platform agnostic approach, uh, we have a mobile app whereby each enumerator has the ability to access tools using a mobile device to facilitate navigation to households uh, to conduct interviews via the CAPI method, uh, which I previously described. Um, we can either provide a bespoke CAPI um, solution, um, customized customized to the needs of the National Statistics Office, or we can integrate third-party platforms such as uh, CS Pro from the US Census Bureau or survey solutions from the World Bank, which are commonly used. Um, all work can be done in the field in both a connected or disconnected mode. Um, and with our latest release, we have implemented support for self-enumeration uh, via the CAWI method uh, and included support for so-called CATI uh, or computer-assisted telephonic interview, with both of these methodologies coming clearly into sharper focus uh, in view of the, the impact of COVID. Um, besides support for digital data capture methodologies, we also provide near real-time dynamic monitoring and progress reporting tools uh, in order for census management teams to have more of an holistic view of the enumeration operation. And finally, just a comment on the dissemination module. Um, NSOs are now able to take advantage of what we call our smart map technology, uh, which allows them to then configure dynamic interactive dashboards to, to view census data in a more, let's say, easily digestible way. In other words, data can be viewed uh, as graphs and charts against the backdrop of spatially linked maps. Um, and then these dashboards of information can either be made publicly available or within a secure environment, um, they can be accessed. Important to also add that we, we can include the ability to link newly captured data with historical data for time series analysis, uh, which we see as being important in terms of uh, monitoring the so-called uh, sustainable development goals. Thank you, Dean. So Henny, my next question, um, Dean talked about kind of the CAPI and the Cowie and the CADI methods. Um, why would some NSOs decide to pick one method over another? And are NSOs using kind of a multi-method approach to capture census data? Yes, uh, Justin, most countries uh, are using a multi-method approach um, that uh, it's not only different methods, but it also involves multiple vendors and uh, technologies. So it, at this moment in time, it is actually very rare for a country to to adopt only one, to, to utilize only one technology involving only one vendor. 
Um, and I'll and I'll elaborate a bit now why why this is the case, but that's obviously a challenge for us because we actually cover all the bases. We do provide a total solution. But some of the reasons why they use uh, a combination of different uh, technologies include, there are many of them, but uh, it's firstly a fear of new or alternative technology. So they rather use what they are used to than to try something new. If it works or even it might not work optimally, but it's better to use something that you are familiar with than to try something new. Um, and then there's also the element of established loyalty to certain brands or vendors, even though no competitor of ours can, to, to my knowledge, provide a total solution that compares to smart sensors. And then uh, a further uh, thing to keep in mind is uh, uh, sort of related to the fear of new alternative technology is um, the notion that a census is not an ideal opportunity to implement radically new methods and technology. Um, so there's an inherent hesitation or restraint of NSOs uh, to adopt new technologies. Um, now, the way around that is, and I, I fully agree, you know, you have to be very careful when you conduct a census. It, uh, Dean mentioned earlier the, the cost of the census. Uh, it, uh, it's the biggest statistical data collection exercise that uh, a, a country conducts. So you have to be very careful that you use tried and tested methods, tried and tested within the organization. So what we promote strongly is that NSOs actually adopt the platform, use the platform for smaller surveys, and uh, together with that the updating of the uh, dwelling unit frame or the census cartography, uh, using the, the, the smart census platform. So it becomes a test sort of uh, application while they conduct uh, smaller surveys um, that can be more easily managed if something go wrong. Then uh, the uh, last reason that I would say why countries uh, use different uh, technologies and different methods uh, one can perhaps call it the legacy effect. You know, I mentioned earlier the, the silo effect where these historically these different units within the NSO were only responsible for a certain part, a certain phase of the census. So that resulted in a situation where these different units only seeked solutions and technologies that could provide answers to their specific phase of the census, be it pre-enumeration, enumeration, or whatever the case may be, uh, rather than focusing on a, a total solution. Um, and, and that, even though current trend is to have a more integrated approach, this legacy effect still hampers many, many census efforts um, where the different units still struggle to actually work together on a single integrated platform as, as we promote. I'd kind of like to take a second to kind of discuss enumeration. And Dean, you and Henny both have kind of talked about COVID-19. And I kind of want to go back and look at 
the CAPI method. And in the age of COVID-19, you know, how are NSOs expected to handle census data collection in rural or hard to reach locations and still practice social distancing and minimize the risk of taking the virus into those hard to reach rural areas or bringing it back with them should they should they get it out in the field any thoughts on that yeah i, I think uh, justin maybe i can uh, uh, provide an opening comment um, i think without question uh, the pandemic is um, is a significant threat to all countries that are due to conduct uh, or planning to conduct a census. Um, and those threats are either through delays, interruptions, uh, interruptions that will impact quality or the worst case scenario, um, a complete cancellation of census projects. I mean, these are difficult decisions uh, facing more than, at least by current estimates, uh, more than 100 countries who were expected to deliver a census in 2020 and 2021. Um, if you look at the, the current 2020 round of, of census uh, expectations. On the other hand, um, the importance of having up-to-date, accurate population data is even more critical at this time, uh, not only for development, but also for addressing global health emergencies such as COVID-19. Um, so, for example, governments are have, you know, they have an urgent need now, especially for up-to-date uh, knowledge of population densities uh, in major cities, as as these are locations clearly where there one can expect high transmission rates. In addition, um, you know, there are elevated case fatality rates amongst older populations, uh, which demand knowledge of where older people are clustered. Also, data is is needed to inform the location of catchment areas so that emergency facilities, uh, medical facilities can be provided. So in light of this, um, the United Nations, in fact, and in particular UNFPA, uh, who are typically offering technical and financial support for censuses to many developing countries, in their technical brief on the implication of COVID-19, which they published in March of this year, their advice was that rather than cancel the census, uh, they are encouraging NSOs to consider the adoption of alternative methodologies that support social distancing. So consequently, uh, and this may not be the case for every single country because it's dependent on infrastructure, um, it's dependent on literacy levels, etc. But of course, um, internet-based data collection methodologies uh, such as computer-aided web interview uh, methodologies for self-enumeration, coupled with uh, telephonic interview methods, such as CATI, uh, again, as I previously defined. Um, both of these can be supported uh, today by smart census uh, and can certainly help uh, to safeguard and overcome uh, some of the challenges uh, that we see with uh, COVID-19 today. So that would be my, my sort of spin on things. Yeah, and I can maybe... Uh Add to what Dina said, um, you know, in the past, the United Nations, who are really the, in particular, United Nations Statistics Division, they actually determined the rules and recommendations for censuses, how to conduct it, the textbooks. In the last few years, acknowledged that 
um, if you take conflict areas, for example, countries that has been in civil war for many years, where it was simply impossible to conduct censuses for a long time, that one needs to look at alternative methods to actually do population estimates. Um, and when we talk of COVID and we look at uh, smart census, smart census enables one to actually, where required, for example, consider something like a sample-based enumeration in, in rural areas where um, it, it might be difficult to apply, for example, web interviews, well, by and large impossible, but rather than completely uh, uh, or to, drive, to try and do a complete enumeration, one can do a, a sample enumeration and then uh, impute uh, population statistics for the, for the entire area on a like-for-like -like basis. In a similar way to what the methods that are being used, uh, let's say, in conflict areas um, that are now being promoted, actually, by the UN. Now, smart census enables one, it's got the flexibility that you can actually apply these methods if that is what you decide to do uh, as part of your strategy for the, to, to conduct the census within uh, the COVID environment. And uh, a last remark on this is, it is actually ironical, but um, during a time like COVID, the importance of the census and the information that a census can provide is even more uh, important than, than uh, under normal circumstances. So rather than postponing it, and that's what many countries are doing, one should rather look at alternative methods that might not include, uh, imply full enumeration everywhere, but you get the, the valuable statistics out um, that can be used for proper planning for COVID and, and obviously the normal um, development agenda in a country. Thank you, Henny. And so after all of this census data is collected, Hexagon Smart Census has a dynamic map building phase. What types of maps are NSOs able to create with the data that they that they collect? Great question, uh, Justin. Um, and, uh, you know, I've previously mentioned this, but um, ultimately what we are leveraging here is uh, what we call at Hexagon Smart Map Technology, um, which really helps NSOs uh, to configure uh, custom census data dissemination dashboards. Um, so configured dashboards are typically driven by themes, which themselves are guided by so-called uh, Sustainable Development Goals or SDGs that I've uh, previously alluded to. And perhaps at this point, maybe let me just describe what, what SDGs are. The, these are essentially 17 goals that were adopted by uh, United Nations member states back in 2015, uh, which is essentially a universal call to action to end uh, poverty, protect the planet, and also to ensure that all citizens um, of member nations enjoy peace and prosperity. Uh, and these goals are to be achieved uh, by 2030. Now, um, census data um, is typically critical to monitoring the progress towards, in, towards uh, achieving these goals. So just for example, uh, you can go onto the UN website uh, for SDGs and you will see goals one and two. 
which essentially are aimed at eliminating, for example, poverty and, and hunger. And with our dissemination module, NSOs can configure interactive dashboards to indicate disparities in poverty and hunger levels across regions, communities, uh, and different uh, demographics. Uh, and where most prevalent, this can then inform policies that need to be implemented to, to help reduce and eliminate um, poverty and, and hunger. Now, progress towards achieving uh, these goals can then be assessed uh, using uh, time series analysis tools. Uh, we can do cross-cutting analysis between these themes, uh, which is also possible. So in essence, our dissemination module enables NSOs to configure quite easily um, dashboards, dynamic dashboards that meet the specific requirements uh, of a country. How do our customers typically use these maps? I know we are saying this is how it can be used, but do we have any examples or use cases where we know that a particular country or NSO that is a customer of ours, how are they using this data and what types of smart maps are they building? Justin, uh, as Dean mentioned earlier, um, we are in the process currently of customizing the uh, smart sensors dissemination module for the government of Malawi. And the, uh, the reason being um, they have a very specific uh, requirement in terms of their users and uh, how it evolved over time. And we are now customizing the platform uh, to meet those specific requirements. Now, what it implies, just to uh, give some insight in it, is that the, the maps that Dean mentioned earlier are in fact combined with uh, a whole range of different types of graphs and table, tables uh, on, on this specially customized uh, smart map application. So this combination of graphs and tables and maps are then used uh, as a tool for policy formulation at, at the level of central government and even at regional government. And then at local government, the stats are used for the, the actual implementation of operational plans that are obviously derived from the policy documents developed at those higher tiers of government. And that ultimately drives the development agenda of the country. Now, if you take line ministries, um, for example, like uh, health and education, they can combine the census results with their statistics so that you can uh, actually fuse the two and then uh, they can uh, enhance their decision making. So if you take the two data sets separate, they are of less value than when you combine the two together. So in, in the case of Malawi, for example, we are not only providing a platform for the dissemination of uh, the 2018 census results, but rather a platform that also enables uh, ministries like health, education, etc. It covers a wide range of, of topics, different data sets, different sources of data, um, and also time series of data. So it's not only the last census, it includes earlier censuses as well. Everything on a single platform that then 
uh, enables the users at different tiers of government and also even private sector, the uh, development partners in the country, to actually have a single platform where they can uh, uh, utilize the data optimally at, uh, for their specific needs. So I guess the take home here is it is highly customizable and not only limited to the, the, the usual standard senses. Thank you, Henny. It sounds like there's a lot of uh, potential and a lot of great things that local governments and also national governments can really glean from being able to leverage the census data. I guess I have a, f- a few closing questions for the both of you. Dean, really, are there any closing thoughts or ideas that you'd like to share with the listeners? Um, maybe any key takeaways they should think about from this from this podcast. Thanks, Justin. Yeah, and and firstly, just to say, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, contribute towards this discussion. Um, I think in terms of closing thoughts and comments, uh, one thing that I'd really like to do is is emphasize uh, the fact that despite perception, you know, Hexagon is a technology company. Um, we we are certainly no strangers to the world of census, um, and that's really largely thanks to uh, the relationship, um, the partnership that we've established with Geospace International. Um, and it's without them and their domain expertise that perhaps we wouldn't be where we are in terms of the success of uh, smart census. So. In that regard, I'm really proud to say that, uh, and I've alluded to some of them previously, we've we've been involved in several census projects in, uh, in the past. Uh, and we very much look forward to continuing to support NSOs, uh, particularly as they embark on the, the 2020 round of census. Um, and to that end, um, you know, we have put a lot of focus on ensuring that uh, we have a network of trained partners who are really well positioned to support our smart sensor solution wherever there is interest uh, or, or demand. And I'm really pleased to say that we are already seeing growing interest in, in many parts of the world, uh, particularly Southeast Asia, Eastern Europe, Central and, and South America. Um, that is obviously over and above uh, the traction that we, we have uh, uh, within Africa, which is where it all started. That said, uh, and in addition to what I've just mentioned, I would like to also briefly state um, that we have and continue to engage with other partners. Um, uh, And in that regard, I I mean content partners uh, in order to provide value add to our existing census platform. Um, So these partners include satellite image uh, imagery vendors who provide both high and medium resolution satellite imagery uh, for for base mapping, which of course is a critical uh, need um, for the pre-enumeration phase. And in that regard, uh, you know, we have reached agreements with like Airbus Defence and Space uh, to take their imagery and, and combine that with our uh, census platform and to offer a complete solution, bringing both content and software to, to NSOs to support them in their census operations. And finally, from my side, uh, you know, we recognize that funding is a problem and can be a problem. And, you know, I've already highlighted that some of the the challenges today with COVID um, and, of course, uh, NSOs are having to try to meet those challenges with uh, budgets under constant uh, scrutiny and, and, and squeeze. Consequently, 
you know, we have established a, a highly flexible pricing model, which is really designed to meet the unique needs and, and challenges of uh, NSOs covering both census applications as well as uh, large uh, field surveys. Um, and so for more specifics around some of these, uh, the, the partnerships that I've mentioned with Airbus or in terms of the, the pricing model um, that uh, we have established, I would encourage anybody listening to, to reach out to your to your local hexagon representative. Um, so yeah, th those are sort of my final thoughts and comments. Thank you, Dean. And Henny, very similar question. You know, is there anything that we didn't cover as part of this discussion that you'd like to discuss? Uh, Justin, maybe not uh, things that we haven't uh, covered already, but I would perhaps just like to highlight in conclusion uh, some of the things that to me really makes uh, smart senses unique. Um, and I'd firstly like to say um, the fact that it provides a total solution that co covers the entire census cycle from start to finish. We've touched on it before, but I think this is really uh, a very unique um, uh, feature of, of uh, smart senses. And then a second standout feature um, that makes smart senses really powerful is the flexibility of the platform that uh, enables it to be configured for different types of censuses and surveys. Um, you get, for example, population and housing census, but you also get an agricultural and livestock census. You can have a business census. There are uh, different types of censuses and surveys. And this platform can be configured for any of these using different types of questionnaires and methods of enumeration. So because of this, um, it is, this enables, this characteristic enables the NSOs with the opportunity to test the platform in surveys before implementing it in a large scale uh, population and census, housing, uh, sorry, population and housing census uh, environment. I would say these are my concluding remarks. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to say a big thank you to Dean McCormick and Henny Lutz. Look forward to having you back on Location Intelligence. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Justin. Really appreciate it. Definitely. Would love to have you guys back. Thank you for tuning in to Location Intelligence on Hexagon Radio. For more great stories and podcasts, visit hexagonspotlight.com.